Five, four, three, two, one. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Inside You, the College Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Xavier Roddick, and we are back after another huge, huge, huge weekend of college football. Four teams in the top 10 lost, Georgia, West Virginia, Washington, and Penn State. Obviously, huge implications for the playoff, for the conferences. So let's get right into it. First things first, as always, I was right and I was wrong. I was right that Oregon would defeat Washington. Final score there, 30-27. Oregon coming up with a huge misplunt by Washington's kicker to send the game into overtime, during which C.J. Verdell, the same C.J. Verdell who fumbled to lose the game against Stanford a couple weeks ago, got redemption. Very impressive game for Verdell. Jake Browning, Washington's quarterback, definitely did not play his best. Also, cause for concern is that running back Miles Gaskin was hurt, but the Ducks got the job done. What made this game truly interesting to me was that Justin Herbert, who probably is the best NFL prospect right now in all of college football, did not necessarily have his best game. This really was about C.J. Verdell and Oregon's defense. So great one for the Ducks. Should be interesting to see how that plays out in that Pac-12 North. And as the Ducks play go this weekend to Pullman, where they'll be taking on a good Washington State team. Then I was wrong that TCU would defeat Texas Tech. Final score there, 17-14. to Jet Duffy filling in for the injured Alan Bowman, getting the job done. Coming off that loss, bye week and loss to West Virginia. Texas Tech still getting the job done. Cliff Kingsbury certainly looking like he'll have saved his job, at least for the time being. TCU, on the other hand, coming off a bye of their own. Also a tight win over Iowa State, an Iowa State team that managed to upset West Virginia this past weekend. Certainly not the start that Gary Patterson was looking for from his team coming off their bye week. Should be interesting to see how that impacts this weekend's game when TCU takes on Oklahoma. Then we've got Texas. I was right that Texas beat Baylor. Texas there winning 23-17. to Certainly a closer game than many expected. Charlie Brewer for Baylor playing very well. The big story here being that starting quarterback Sam Ellinger was hurt. He suffered a grade 1 AC sprain in his throwing shoulder. In his stead, Shane Bouchelle fielding, getting the job done. And the Texas Longhorns continue to move along. Right now, they are in first in the Big 12 and in control of their destiny with that win over Oklahoma and West Virginia coming to Austin later in the month. Then I was wrong that LSU that would lose to Georgia. Final score there, 36-16. Jake Fromm, 16 for 34. That's the real story of this game. He did not play well, obviously allowing 36 points to LSU. Georgia's defense didn't play any better, and now Georgia will face an uphill climb if they're going to repeat in the college football playoffs. Certainly not what Kirby Smart's team was looking for. Then, I was right that Michigan would defeat Wisconsin. Final score, 38-13. to Jonathan Terrell, 101 yards, but that did not make a difference as Michigan was able to run roughshod over the Badgers, running it 48 times compared to 20 throws. Also, the defense got the job done, and which is even more interesting with Rashawn Gary continuing to be held out. Chase Winovic continues to improve his draft stock as he looks to the next level and a big win for Jim Harbaugh's team. Definitely right now when you're looking at the Big Ten East, it's coming down to Ohio State and Michigan to end the season. Then we, I was wrong that Michigan State would lose to Penn State. Final score there, 21-17. to Keep in mind, Michigan lost Northwestern, all but ending their hopes of winning their side of the Big Ten. Conversely, Penn State coming off a bye after that heartbreaking loss to Ohio State. 
Again, Penn State unable to shut the door on Michigan State. Brian Lewick for the Spartans, two touchdowns. Trace McSorley conversely had only had one, and certainly not a good look for Penn State head coach James Franklin. Should be interesting to see how this game looks on him going forward. Like I said, entering the season, I always did wonder what kind of coach we had in James Franklin, and if he continues to lose close games, he will not be welcomed in Happy Valley much longer. So that moves us along. I was right that USC would defeat Colorado. Final score there, 31-20. to Colorado now no longer undefeated. The real story here being LaVisca Chenault, the best offensive player in the Pac-12 up until this last weekend, held only 46 yards. Buffalo's quarterback, Steven Montez, 26 for 47. Conversely, JT Daniels, three touchdowns. The real story here, though, is that USC lost their starting outside linebacker, Porter Gustin. Gustin shattering his ankle, not going to return this season, and moving on to the NFL where we wish him the best of luck. Then, I was wrong that Virginia would defeat Iowa State. Final score there, 30-14. to The real story will grow here, only 100 yards total. This is after a less than impressive showing against Kansas two weeks ago. Essentially, this game most likely ends Greer's hopes of winning the Heisman. Conversely, Brock Purdy filling in for Zeb Nolan, 254 yards, three touchdowns. And again, Matt Campbell's team is able to defeat a top seed in Ames. So congratulations to Campbell. Definitely continuing to work his way up the list of potential coaching hires moving forward. However, with him just having signed that new contract with Iowa State last weekend, his $7 million buyout will definitely def- deter all except the biggest programs. Then, I was right that Virginia would defeat Miami. Final score there, 16-13. to The real story here being that Mark Richt replaced Nkozi Perry with Malik Rozier going into the second half. Remember, Rosier was the starter at the beginning of the season. However, after the offense began to falter, Rick decided to go in a different direction, replacing him with Perry. With Perry, initially, things appeared to be finally getting back on track for the Hurricanes offense. But then this last weekend, Perry threw two interceptions in the first half. Rick decided to go with the change, bringing Rosier back in. But unfortunately, he was unable to get the job done. Keep in mind, Virginia managed to upset the Hurricanes with Bryce Perkins, their starting quarterback, only going 12 of 21 for 92 yards and throwing three interceptions. So definitely not the type of loss that the Hurricanes want to have sustained. And certainly now, that side of the ACC is very interesting with Virginia, Miami, and Virginia Tech. Then, I was wrong that BYU, that Hawaii would defeat BYU. Final score there, 41-9-23. to Certainly, Cole McDonald was beginning to make a name for himself as a fringe Heisman Trophy contender. I thought with the week off last week, having suffered an injury, we would see a renewed Rainbow Warriors offense. And to their credit, they did manage to score 23 points. But the real story here being BYU, Hawaii's defense being unable to stop BYU's offense at all. Certainly, the Cougars continue to impress. And also, they were doing it with Zach Wilson, their new quarterback, in his first start coming in for Tanner Mangum. Three touchdowns for him. Very impressive win for the Cougars. And Hawaii now, again, relegated to obscurity in college football. Then, I was right that UCLA did defeat Cal. Final score there, 37-7. to Joshua Kelly, a transfer from UC Davis, running for 157 yards for the Bruins. Also, this is the Bruins and Chip Kelly's first win in Westwood. Congratulations to them. Happy to see them get that. Should be interesting to see how they look going into this weekend when they take on a less than impressive Arizona team. Then I was right that South Florida would defeat Tulsa. South Florida having to come from behind again to get the victory here. Final score 25 to 24. 
Blake Barnett continues to impress in his ability to just simply win games, and Charlie Strong's team is undefeated. Should be interesting to see how that pans out now in this race we have going in the American Conference between South Florida, Cincinnati, and obviously Central Florida. Then I was right that Central Florida would defeat Air Force. Again, a tighter game than most expected, 21-17 the final score there. Certainly, though, for the Aztecs, the real story being that they didn't suffer that letdown loss after that big win over Boise State two weeks ago. Ryan Agu ended replacing Christian Chapman, 213 yards and one touchdown. Then I was right that Buffalo would defeat Akron. Final score, 24-6. Tyree Jackson, 212 yards and a very impressive 7.1 average offensive yards. Then I was right that Central Florida would defeat Memphis. Final score there, 31-30. to Central Florida having to come from behind here. Memphis scoring 30 points in the first half. Central Florida having to respond with 14 unanswered points, though, and still getting the job done. Now, I want to take a moment to say that this is very much reflective of why this Central Florida team, I think, is a little different and in many ways worse than last year's Central Florida team. Certainly, while the offense has continued to impress, Mackenzie Milton continues to get the job done. The defense is not where it was with the loss of guys like Shaquem Griffin. So, well, the Central Florida Knights, Golden Knights, are very, very good, and they could again go undefeated. I do not think they are the same talent-wise as last year's team. Then, I was right that Florida State would defeat Wyoming. Final score there, 27-3. to Certainly now setting up a very interesting game when Fresno State and San Diego State take on each other to see who will come out of the Mountain West West Division. And then finally, I was right that Temple would defeat Navy. Final score there, 24-17. to And Temple, whose overall record is 4-3, and is still, though, 3-0 and in the American. They're undefeated. Should be interesting to see how they pan out. Would be very interesting to see a three-loss team win the American Division. That's for sure. That puts me at 12-5 and last week. Also, one last game I want to highlight that I didn't pick, but I had a feeling about Tennessee upsetting Auburn. Final score there, 30-24. to Unfortunately, Jonathan Kongbo tore his ACL, meaning that one of Tennessee's top defensive players will be gone for the rest of the season. Jerry Quarantano, though, finally appearing to come to his own 328 yards, two touchdowns, and Tennessee managed to stab an 11-game SC, an SEC losing streak going into that big game against Alabama this weekend. Also, I'll talk a little bit later about why this game has serious implications for the college football playoff. So that moves us on to the top stories in college football right now. First thing, obviously, last weekend was certainly, in my mind, the weekend of the backup quarterbacks. You had St. Bruchelle being coming in for the injured Sam Ellinger against Baylor, getting the job done there. Then you had Jalen Hurts filling in for Tua Tagovailoa. Tagovailoa entered the game with a banged-up knee, suffering a sprained knee, and unfortunately, on a non-contact slide, he re-injured his knee, did not finish the game for the Tide. Now, after the game, head coach Nick Saban did say that Tagovailoa had the same injury that he had before and that he wasn't concerned, but certainly a cause of concern when your quarterback gets injured on a non-contact play. So we'll continue to monitor that. But the game was already well out of hand when Hurts did was called on to come into the game, and he was able to maintain that victory. However, it will be very interesting to see what happens this weekend. Like I said, between that game between Alabama and Tennessee, if Hurts is in there for Tagovailoa, I would definitely increase Tennessee's chances of pulling off the upset. Then Brock Purdy filling in for an injured Zeb Nolan, getting the job done over a number six ranked West Virginia team. Very impressive performance for Purdy. He impressed many last weekend when he lost a very close game to TCU. 
certainly between him and Matt Campbell, a lot of things to be excited about in Ames right now. Then Jet Duffy getting the job done early in the weekend. Texas Tech pulling off a nice victory upset over TCU. He's pulling in for Alan Bowman, who was filling in for McLean Carter. So that's just a litany of backup quarterbacks going on there. Then obviously, like I mentioned, Ryan Agnew getting the job done for the Aztecs over Air Force. He's filling in for Christian Chapman and Zach Wilson replacing Tanner Magum as BYU's starting quarterback with his performance likely will continue to be the Cougars starting quarterback for the foreseeable future. That moves us along to it now being halfway through the season. As such, teams are starting to have their bye weeks. Also, we can finally look at some of the different divisions to see what's going on in college football. In some divisions, certainly teams have immersed as the team to beat, most likely walking through the wrecks of their schedule. The obvious one coming to mind being Alabama in the SEC West, conversely USC in the Pac-12 South, also Clemson in their side of the ACC. But at the same time, there's definitely some other conferences where there's a lot of questions right now, so I'm going to run through a few of them. Most of these teams are essentially already out of the college football playoff, but there's some definitely interesting storylines to see how these conferences end up. So the first one I want to talk about is the ACC Coastal Division three-way tie right now there between Virginia Tech, Virginia, and Miami. Virginia Tech, obviously, not impressing a lot of people following that win, that, excuse me, that loss to Old Dominion, then obviously suffering that loss to Notre Dame. But Looking at the rest of their schedule, their conference schedule is relatively easy. Their roughest game being against Miami, who right now looks to be having their own crisis, and they get them at home. Conversely, UVA is going to have to come off that big win over Miami and then try and refocus their efforts against Duke and Daniel Jones. I think it's very likely that we see the Cavaliers suffer a hangover this weekend and fail to get the job done. That takes them out of it. Then Miami, obviously coming off that loss to UVA, But the real story here is that stress they have against Duke, Virginia Tech, and Pitt, and also the possibility of a quarterback controversy. So I've got Virginia Tech coming out of there. Given the loss of Josh Jackson, as well as all of the defensive issues that Bud Foster's had to deal with this year, it would be a huge coup for Justin Fuente to win on their Coastal Division, even if they end up getting smashed by Clemson in the ACC Championship game. Then... That moves us along to the Big Ten West. Obviously, with Wisconsin's loss to Michigan this last weekend, it is essentially the unspoken part of the Big Ten. Right now, that's a two-way race between Iowa and Wisconsin, but Wisconsin does have the tiebreaker having won over Iowa earlier in the season. Iowa, looking at the rest of their schedule, they have to go to Penn State, to Purdue, and Northwestern all in successive weeks. Wisconsin, well, they already have lost to BYU and Michigan. Their toughest remaining game remains a road trip to Penn State. I think the Badgers still managed to get it done. Certainly, with these two losses already, not likely that they would be able to work their way into the college football playoff, barring absolute pandemonium. But the Badgers will be able to put up a good fight against either Michigan State, excuse me, either Michigan or Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. Then, The Pac-12 North certainly becoming a lot more intriguing this last weekend after Oregon managed to upset Washington. Oregon, though, looking at the remainder of their schedule, they've got to travel to Wazoo this weekend. Then they also have Utah, which appears to be under its own resurgence and a late Friday night season game against Oregon State. Oregon State, under new head coach Jonathan Smith. Smith, the former offensive coordinator at Washington, very familiar with that part of the conference. And a lot of ways things could go wrong there. 
Washington, on the other hand, their toughest remaining game remains Stanford at home and then Wazoo in their own rivalry game to end the season. I think with this loss, we see Chris Peterson's team refocus. This is now their second loss of the season, but they're going to want to send Jake Browning and Miles Gaskin and the rest of those seniors off in star showing. So I've got the Huskies there pulling that off. And then obviously the most interesting one to talk about right now is the SEC East. That's a three-way race between Kentucky, Florida, and Georgia. Kentucky was on a bye last weekend, but now they enter a a three-game stretch at Mizzou, Georgia at home, and then at Tennessee. Certainly a lot of things that could go wrong there. Mizzou this weekend worries me due to Drew Locke and the Tigers' throwing ability. Georgia worries me because they're Georgia. And then Tennessee now, especially if they can manage to upset Alabama this weekend, would be a serious cause for concern. So a lot of things that could go wrong there. Florida then, while they certainly struggled this last weekend to put away a tough Vandy team, and there was lots of drama on the field. Should be interesting to see if Voshan Osif is suspended for more this coming weekend, given his play in last weekend's game. If you missed it, Joseph first suffered a personal foul when he literally body slammed Vanderbilt, one of Vanderbilt's running backs, and then following a back and forth between members of Florida's coaching staff and Vanderbilt head coach Derek Mason, both teams were issued unsportsmanlike conduct penalties resulting in Joseph essentially being thrown out of the game. Certainly did not compose himself very well heading into the locker room. So it'll be interesting to see if he is suspended potentially for part of or all of this game. He is certainly Florida's defensive, excuse me, Florida's defensive leader at the moment, and he would be a huge loss to them. But looking at the Gator schedule, They've got Georgia in the world's largest cocktail party and then at FSU. FSU obviously not being a conference game. And even with that loss to Kentucky in the swamp, certainly in control of their destiny. Georgia, on the other hand, they've got Florida, then at Kentucky and Auburn. Auburn, I know people are down on right now, but they're still a team that you should not sleep on. A lot of things could go wrong. And that's why I think the Gators are going to surprise a lot of people and come out of the SEC East. So, That moves us along to my updated top four college football playoff teams if the playoff were to be today. Certainly not as much movement as I would have liked, even with all those losses, given that both Ohio State and Clemson were on bye weeks this last weekend. Ohio State right now, 7-0. They had a nice win over Penn State as well as a nice win over TCU. Remember the TCU win being without head coach Urban Meyer. Clemson, on the other hand, their best wins coming over Texas A&M at Texas A&M. And AM certainly right now very much in the running for the SEC West. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Then at number three, I've got Notre Dame. They're 7-0. They had a huge win this past weekend over a very tough Pitt team. Pitt, remember, not a team you want to sleep on. They beat Syracuse. They took Penn, they gave State, Penn State all they could handle. Also, Notre Dame's other big win being over Michigan to start the season. Michigan right now, remember, has won six in a row. Then at number four, I've got Alabama, 7-0. They're undefeated. Unfortunately, though, their best win comes over Texas A&M. I know a lot of people are hot on the Crimson Tide right now. They see them and they say they are so much better than all the other teams in college football. And in many ways, they are correct. I mean, when you look at that receiving core with Jerry Judy and the other pieces they've got and the defense, Definitely a lot of talent. They're definitely going to give most teams problems. However, what prevents me from ranking the Crimson Tide 
higher is who they've played this season. Like I've said before, just a neutral site victory over Louisville and a win over Texas A&M is not enough for me to rank the Crimson Tide higher at this time. However, if they were able to finish the season 12-0 and win the SEC championship and continue to do in such dominant fashion, then they would certainly be my number one seed. Now, that moves us along, who's just on the outside looking in. LSU right now 6-1. and one. Certainly very impressive with what they've been able to do. They've got big wins over Miami and Auburn. Obviously, that loss to Florida in the swamp was a bit disappointing, but that's something that I don't think the selection committee would ding them too much for. Unfortunately, though, LSU still has to go out and defeat Mississippi State and Alabama, even with getting Alabama in Death Valley, an uphill battle for this team. They've certainly managed to be just good enough so far, but will be interesting to see if they can continue their winning ways against some of the better teams. Certainly, though, with that huge upset over Georgia this past weekend, a lot of promise and a lot of teams to things to look forward to for Coach Orgeron's team. Then at number six, I've got Michigan at six and one. They did the most best thing you can do as a college football team, which is losing early, although they lost to Notre Dame to start the season. They now have a nice win over Wisconsin at home. And if Notre Dame continues to be undefeated, that will certainly up their profile. Also, there's very much a possibility where there's a situation where both Michigan and Notre Dame make the playoff. If Michigan were able to win out and win the Big Ten Championship and Notre Dame were able to win out, that would put Michigan at 11-1 and with 11 straight victories and a victory over Ohio State and what I presume will be a ranked Big Ten West team. Conversely, again, Notre Dame would be undefeated. Those two teams would most likely be in, probably their team teams then being Alabama and Clemson. And then somewhat of a surprise for some, I'm sure, West Virginia. I've got a number seven with five and one. In many ways, West Virginia is hurt by that not playing that game against NC State, who's undefeated right now. However, they do benefit from the fact that they still have to travel to Texas, a team that beat a USC team, which very well could win the Pac-12 South, as well as the Pac-12 at this moment. That would certainly up their profile. Also, they get Oklahoma at home, who I think will continue to be ranked in probably the top 15-ish area, 15 to 20, something around there. And then the real help for West Virginia, and this just shows the importance of scheduling, is that victory they had early in the season, an absolute blowout of Tennessee. Tennessee, remember, up that pulling off that huge upset over Auburn. Between who Auburn has left to play and Tennessee have left to play, certainly that could up that win and could be enough to get them in, even with that one loss to Iowa State. Also, a loss to Iowa State at night on the road, certainly not something that should keep any team out of the playoff and something that I think the playoff panel would look on relatively favorably. So those are my top seven right now. Certainly going to be interesting to see what happens this weekend if the model of ranked teams losing continues. Then, the more interesting because of what it stands for than necessarily who was fired. Mike Jinks is out as head coach of Bowling Green. This is the first firing of the 2018 college football season. Jinks was 7-24 and in his three years coaching the Falcons. However, he was 1-6 this past season. The Falcons also suffered a come-from-behind loss this past weekend. While you may not be unfamiliar with Bowling Green as being a powerhouse, I want you to consider the fact that Dave Clawson, the head coach at Wake Forest, as well as Dino Babers, the head coach at Syracuse, both formerly coached at Bowling Green. 
So the program is a lot more prouder than you might expect. And certainly being one and six and seven and 24 overall is not enough to get the job done. So that moves us along into our previews for this weekend. Give me a second while I take a sip of my water. Okay, so Thursday night, things start off between an interesting Pac-12 matchup between Stanford and Arizona State. Arizona State favored minus two by two points there. Certainly an interesting line to me. Arizona State definitely got a lot of credibility with that win over Michigan State, but since then have looked less than impressive. Stanford is coming off a bye week as well as the Sun Devils. However, Stanford unfortunately has suffered two losses to Notre Dame and Utah. The real story here is going to be whether Bryce Love ends up playing for the Cardinals, even without him, though I don't think that'll be too dilapidating for the Cardinals. KJ Costello, while he hasn't played as well as I would have hoped these last few weeks, certainly I think is one of the better quarterbacks in the Pac-12. Conversely, Arizona State losing to Colorado last week, 21-28. Colorado's defense was definitely shown as being less than stellar this past weekend against USC. And I think the Cardinals get the job done here, even if this is a closer game than people would have hoped. Certainly the Cardinals now on the outside looking in of that Pac-12 North, but they still should have enough talent to defeat Herm Edwards' team. Also, like I mentioned earlier, even with Herm Edwards having had that big upset over Michigan State in Phoenix to start this early in the season, would definitely be a huge, huge mark on his resume if they were to finish less than bowl eligible. So that moves us along to a huge interstate matchup between Michigan Traveling to Michigan State. Michigan right now favored by a touchdown. Michigan State coming off that huge upset over Penn State. Michigan, on the other hand, beating Wisconsin. And what's very interesting about Michigan right now, and in many ways this is why I think they're similar to Louisiana State, is they've continued to do just enough to get the job done. Certainly Michigan State with that win over Penn State, in my mind, is more impressive than Michigan beating Wisconsin. But... At the same time, the real story has been Michigan State's inability to score, particularly in the red zone. Their defense also hasn't been as good as people would have thought, considering the fact that they returned 10 starters. And I think the Wolverines managed to get the job done here, even if it's closer than expected. Certainly going to be interesting to see this game, though, as it will have big implications for that Big Ten East. Then we've got NC State traveling to Clemson. Clemson right now favored by 17 points. Both teams are undefeated. However, NC State's record is certainly a little bit deceptive. Remember, they did not end up playing West Virginia because of Hurricane Florence. Clemson, on the other hand, has a big road win earlier in the season to Texas A&M. However, they're coming off a bye. Should be interesting to see what happens here. NC State also, while they do have a big win over Boston College, that was without star running back A.J. Dillon. I think Clemson gets the job done here relatively handily. Trevor Lawrence should be back and now completely healthy. Travis Etienne continues to show that he might be the very best running back in all of college football. And I think we're going to see Dabo Sweeney's team continue to move forward. Then an interesting Pac-12 matchup. We've got Colorado traveling to Washington. Washington favored by 16 and a half. Both teams coming off losses here. The Buffaloes losing to USC. Washington, on the other hand, losing in very heartbreaking fashion to Washington. Washington, though, still should get the job done. I think we're going to see Jake Browning respond with one of his better performances of the year, and the Huskies continue to move forward. Unfortunately, though, with that loss to Oregon and with their earlier loss to Auburn, they are out of the 
college football playoff entirely, but they still very much do have a chance of winning the Pac-12 North. So should be interesting to see what happens here as Washington does host Stanford later on in the season. Then Alabama traveling to Knoxville. The line right here is unavailable, but the real question is whether two attack of lower or Jalen Hurts will tr- start. Remember, the Volunteers head coach, Jamry Pruitt, was Nick Saban's defensive coordinator last season. Very familiar with Saban and his system. Does a lot of similar things at Tennessee. Jerry Quantano coming off one of his best performances of the year in what he did over Auburn. Should be a very interesting game to watch. Definitely, if Hurts were to start, I would not be hesitant to pick the Volunteers to upset, given that Hurts will be essentially thrust into this position of starter, and given how his own situation ended last season, I wouldn't be surprised if he tries to do a little bit too much, hoping that a big game might propel him into the full-time starting job. I think that that could lead to some early interceptions or mental mistakes, which might give the Volunteers the confidence they need to get the job done. Also, Given that upset of Auburn last week, and I think you're going to see a rowdier-than-usual Knoxville crowd, would definitely go in Tennessee's favor and certainly interesting. However, if Tagovailoa starts, I think we'll essentially see this tide continue to steamroll them and show the huge disparity that still exists between the top and the bottom of the SEC West. Excuse me, of the SEC. Then we've got Mississippi State traveling to LSU. LSU favored by 6.5. LSU coming off that big victory over Georgia. Certainly don't want to overlook Mississippi State in what could be a very tough game for the Tigers. Mississippi State, on the other hand, ninth overall in total defense, certainly experiencing a bit of a resurgence of their own with that victory over Auburn a couple weeks ago. However, we do have to ask how much credibility we do want to give to that win. Certainly Nick Fitzgerald has starting to look good, and it's very interesting seeing the one-two combination of him and running back Colin Hill but they still essentially remain a run in first team. Granted, well, Joe Burrow and the Tigers offense isn't exactly great through the air. They are slightly better, and I think we see the Tigers pull out the, the victory here. And that will set up a huge matchup when Alabama comes to town next week. Then we've got Vanderbilt traveling to Kentucky. Kentucky favored by 11 points here. Kentucky coming off a bye week after that heartbreaking overtime loss to Texas A&M on the road. Vanderbilt coming off a heartbreaking loss to that own when they essentially gave away a game to Florida at home. Should be very interesting to see how both of these teams respond. In many ways, you could argue that Kyle Shermer and the Commodores offense is slightly more weapons than Kentucky, but I think Kentucky's defense is going to be able to do enough to get to him regularly disrupt his play, and we're going to see Benny Snell have one of his better performances of the season. That moves us along to Oregon at Washington State. This is mostly notable because of the fact that Washington State will be hosting its first ever college game day. Oregon right now is favored by two points, coming off that overtime victory over Washington. Certainly a huge win for Mario Cristobal, the Ducks program, as they continue to look to move forward. Washington State, on the other hand, is coming off a bye week and a huge blowout over Oregon State. Certainly interesting for the Pac-12 North this game here. Right now, the Pac-12 North is down to Oregon, Washington State, Stanford, and Washington. However, I think after this game, we're going to see a clear hierarchy develop. I think the Ducks come in here and get the job done. Like I said earlier, the real story of 
the Washington game was C.J. Bordell. I think we're going to see Justin Herbert have one of his better games. And between him and a decent performance from C.J. Bordell, that should be able to get the job done. Also, the Ducks offense definitely impressed me against Washington this past weekend. They should be able to clamp down Gardner Minshew and that Cougars attack. However, it will be definitely an interesting game. Mike Leach known for getting his team ready and having them ready for these types of games. Remember, Washington State did lose to USC earlier in the season, but that was a very close game. So if you're looking to try and dissect the hierarchy of the Pac-12 overall, you're going to want to look at how Oregon manages Washington State this game. Then in a deceptively interesting Pac-12 South matchup, we have USC traveling to Utah. Utah favored by six and a half here. Definitely an intriguing line for me. I know they're coming off two big wins over Stanford and Arizona, but and they have a lot of consistently, and Tyler Huntley is a lot of fun to watch, but the Trojans should just get this job done here on sheer talent. They're coming off that victory over Colorado, like I mentioned earlier. Utah, remember, already lost to Washington and Washington State. So given that both those teams were in the North, they're essentially not out of the South championship. They're not out as South champions entirely, but would take USC losing a couple of times. And I just don't see that happening. I think USC gets the job done on the road here. Certainly the story of JT Daniels and this USC team has been their inability to win games where they're favored, but they've done very well in games where they're the underdog, which they will be this weekend. Then, We've got Arizona traveling to UCLA. UCLA coming off their first victory of the season at Cal. The line there not available yet. Arizona conversely coming off a blowout by Utah. Definitely both fan bases unhappy with the performance of their head coach so far. Chip Kelly, like I said, only one win so far this season. But given a pass, given that 72% of his team is freshmen, they athletic department appears to have known that it was going to take longer than expected to rebuild. Arizona, on the other hand, just looks completely out of sorts. Yes, it has been rumored that starting quarterback Khalil Tate is battling an injury, but the exact drop-off of the offense is so measurable that it is likely more than that. Definitely not what we expected when Kevin Sumlin came to Tucson following his departure from A&M. Definitely a game that I think UCLA can win, and I'm picking the Bruins to win for what would be their second one of the season. Certainly, though, a lot of interesting matchups, mostly in the Pac-12 this weekend and across college football as a whole. I will be back on Wednesday to preview the top group of five games this weekend, as well as tell you why Dwayne Haskins might have the best shot at winning the Heisman Trophy right now and then giving you the top storyline in college sports. So you guys have a great Monday. I'll see you soon. Inside you, the College Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Roddick, signing out. Bye.